This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Another keyword coming up here in about 15 minutes or thereabouts. Tommy Birch from the Des Moines Register will join us before we skedaddle on out of here as well. We take you up until noon, as promised. He's David Kaplan. He joins us in this spot each and every Wednesday. Our friends at Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors. So much to cover with the Cap Man. Cap Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on, David Kaplan. How are you? What's up? Boys, how we doing? Good to talk to you, Cap, and I've wanted to since, uh, well, I watched your final recap of the regular season, the finale. Um, you seemed um, you just resigned to the fact that it was over, and even if they would have won another couple of games, they would have been not long for the playoffs, and I think that was the consensus for most people. But now the work begins, Cap, so let's start right at the top as we begin with our conversation with the Cubs. Theo Epstein, apparently him and Ricketts were going to meet. I imagine that they have by now. Theo's got one year left. Will he fulfill that contract? Will be somebody else in that spot? Uh, I personally do not believe that Theo will still be here 12 months from now. But I can tell you, even if he does, because I think he's going to stick around here some to help transition, there is zero chance that he will sign an extension. I do not see – maybe I'll be proven wrong, and I love Theo. I hope I am. But I don't see a scenario where Theo Epstein is calling the shots for the Chicago Cubs after the 21 season. No way. This uh, team has a lot of work to do, regardless of who's running things. The yeah, roster thanks. needs an overhaul <laughs> all over the place. What, what are the things that make the most sense on the surface that you think – are basically no-brainers needs to be done in terms of roster construction for this offseason? Look, you know, I keep reading from all the loyal Cub fans and love them dearly. I mean, that last recap I did the other day, I checked, it's been viewed 230,000 times. So God bless all of them who pay attention to it because I love doing them. But so many of them have been tweeting at me and saying, can we sign Trevor Bauer? Can we get a lead off it? They're trying to fix a broken team with this move or that move. That's not going to happen. This is like it was 2009, 2010, when you had all of these bloated contracts, big money tied up in a lot of players not performing at the level that they're paid to perform at. And I think a, I'm not talking about losing 118 games and trying to blow it completely up to the studs. What I am telling you is, at some point, we have to look in the mirror 
and go, you know what? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and continually expecting a different result. They've gone too long with this core. I think by their own admission, you know, fault them for their loyalty. I get all of it. I can't come back and go, well, and I had this debate with Gordon Wittenmeyer yesterday who works with me at NBC Sports Chicago and has covered the Cubs for 15 years. Well, you can't just trade Chris Bryant for pennies on the dollar because maybe he'll have a good first half and you could trade him at the deadline. Nope, sorry. I can't throw good money after bad. So, you know, if Javi Baez wants to sign an extension at a number I'm comfortable with, great. If not, move him on and let's go. Same for Bryant. Same for Contreras. Schwarber. You've got to start looking at the next great Cubs team, and it will probably not include the majority of the guys on this year's roster. That's just a fact. So, Cap, I mean, a couple years ago, there were a couple of untouchables. Those untouchables are no longer untouchables, what I'm hearing from you? There is zero untouchables. First of all, let's just get to my stance on untouchables. Wayne Gretzky, the greatest team sport athlete <laughs> Got traded. Ever, Got traded. Traded multiple times. <laughs> right. Babe Ruth was traded. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, then Lou Alcindor, he was traded. Yeah. We can go through a litany of great, amazing players who all got moved. So if somebody calls me up and makes me a good enough offer that I'm like, I'm a better team today for making that trade, then I don't care if the trade name is Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, or whatever it is, because this team as currently constructed is not good enough. And that's not me being a hater. I'm a diehard Cub fan. You know that. I'm just trying to bring a modicum of honesty to this discussion. They aren't good enough, period. What about Rizzo, Cap? Is is he... I mean, might he be the one of this core? And there probably is going to be one or two of the core stick around. But might be Rizzo the the last man standing, if you will? Very strong possibility. Look, he's got one more year at 16 and a half, which is his op- or excuse me, the club's option. He is going to have that option exercised. Or they could say, why don't we just tear up that option and let's do a three-year deal. He's not coming off a great year, but it was pandemic-involved, all of it. Maybe we do a three-year extension with you. He deserves to be taken care of for everything that he does. you got to remember something. This is a business, and contracts are not lifetime achievement awards. It's not, well, we should give him some money because he's been a really good soldier. I love Anthony. He's my favorite player on that team, and he's a wonderful person. And I want him as my first baseman. But it also has to make sense from a business perspective from the Cubs. If he's looking for, you know, a five-year extension at $30 million a year, mm. that's not going to happen. It's just not. So hopefully they can come to a meeting of the mind, say, you know what, we'd like to keep Baez. What is he worth? What should we give him? We'd like to keep Rizzo. I'm just telling you, of all those core guys, some of them have got to go, man. It just 
isn't working. The offense is broken. Want to get to the White Sox, obviously the Bears. One more on the Cubs. I know it was only 60 games and a couple of postseason. How would you grade first-year manager David Ross, or is it unfair, Cap, based on the 60-game you know, season? What did you think of the, of the new skipper's first year? I thought the skipper had a really good year. I really do. You know, with all, first of all, they're the only team that did not have one COVID-19 positive test. Not one. And he gets a lot of credit. Now, look, the players get the lion's share because they're the ones that had to agree. No restaurants, no going out, families under locking. Like, they had to be all in, and they did it. But he was the direct guy that they dealt with every day and things there, the culture, really good. They did win the division, which is no small accomplishment with that offense. So I grade David very highly. Let's get to the White Sox. And a completely different roster, a very young roster in spots, though there are, are some aging pieces. Abreu put together an MVP-like season this year, but he's 34. And Carnacion was dreadful this year. He's 38. Young guys, you got to start paying guys. Lucas Giolito, he's going to want a contract, and I'm sure that's going to cost a pretty penny. Let's take a look at the White Sox. What do you anticipate their offseason to look like? Well, look, Theo met with the media on Monday. Now, that was pre-planned before I broke that story over the weekend that there was zero chance he was going to sign an extension. That was not him meeting with the media simply so he could deal with that report that I published on Saturday. On the White Sox side of things, Rick Hans been conspicuously quiet. You haven't heard him do any radio. You haven't seen him on any TV show. And he has not met with the media via Zoom, which leads me to believe there's something else going on. You know, whether that they're waiting for definitive word on Garrett Crochet's injury. Uh, Is Rick Renteria who... You know, he's going to get managerial votes for manager of the year, mm-hmm. but he also made some mistakes in how he handled his pitching staff. I wouldn't be stunned. If, would you be stunned if they came out and said, yeah, we got some things to address. Garrett Crochet has this injury, and we are hiring a new manager. We thank Rick no, for his time. That wouldn't, wouldn't stun me. Nope. I'm not advocating for it, but that wouldn't shock me. So I think there's change coming to the south side. Mm, that's interesting. Maybe it's Don Cooper. There's something going on. Uh, you mentioned Crochet Cap, and it was too bad to see him have to leave the game that, uh, the way that he did. What a story, right? I mean, he's pitching at Tennessee. Uh, then their season shuts down, as every sport does. He gets drafted, and boom, within a couple of months, he's pitching in the playoffs, for crying out loud, and throwing darts 100, 101, 102 miles an hour. Boy, the White Sox looked as though they've got something there. Is he? Is the plan for him, Cap, eventually they're going to stretch him out and make him a starter? Do you know? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Good. They're planning on him being a starter. They took him, knowing we can do the same thing we did. <coughs> excuse me, with Chris Sale. Chris Sale came up first year he was drafted. He wanted double slot money, and for people out there, go, what does that mean? Each slot in the MLB draft has a designated financial amount that that slot pays. He said figure out your own pool. I want double slot. The White Sox were never going to do that. I think he went 13th overall. But what they were willing to do was to bring him up to the big leagues 
as a reliever and start his clock quicker so he gets to a major league payday. And so he agreed then to sign for slot money. Same deal with Crochet. They got him up here. He showed he's got good stuff. He's healthy. Make him, you know, a top three rotation piece. Over to the Bears, Cappy, and the defense kept him in the game against the Colts. The offense just couldn't do anything. Nick Foles ends with 249 yards and 42 attempts, but it was not a pretty day for the offense overall. How concerning is it after the 3-0 start, after what you saw on Sunday? Uh, Look, it was very concerning because of his lack of accuracy. You know, I was amazed by the number of people on Monday. If that had been Mitchell Trubisky, Oh, my God, I'd have had full right. phone lines for three hours. Yeah. He stinks, he's this, he's that. People are like, well, the O-line wasn't great. The play calling wasn't good. Anthony Miller let a ball go off his hands for an interception. Stop. Nick Foles was lousy on Sunday. I mean, really lousy, like inaccurate, throwing behind receivers. So I would expect he'll have a better game tomorrow. It's his gig not going anywhere, but that offensive line also has to play better. Yeah, that's for certain. Hey, Cap, I got one more on the Cubs. Are there any, do you, have you heard any whispers about any of that core guys? I mean, you know, Contreras, Rizzo, Brian, Baez, put Schwarber in the mix. Is, is there any that are unhappy with the role that, um, you know, that they would rather, they that they might make the first move and ask out? Have you heard anything along those lines? I have not. Uh, Chris has come out recently and said, I'm hoping I can only play for the Cubs in my career. Javi said that on Monday morning. I only want to be a Cub. Schwarber has maintained that. Rizzo has maintained that. Has such a big presence, you know, in the Chicago cancer survivor community. Uh, no, I have not heard that. Kappa, mm. uh, you're going to have to find somebody to sponsor that recap next year. 230,000 views. My gosh. Yeah, actually, I got a phone call the other day from a very well-known company that said, hey, how about you uh, let us sponsor that? <laughs> that we'll see. Yeah, that would make some sense. Um, Chicago, speaking of sponsoring things in Chicago, Bob Rohrman died. Huh? I saw that a couple of weeks ago. I meant to bring it up. Boy, he was on everything, Cap. Bob Rohrman. Right, and then do you remember the ads for Max Madsen Mitsubishi with the doctor? And it was this cool voice. So Bob Rohrman died, and then the next day it came out, Max Madsen had died like two weeks earlier. <laughs> so two huge icons in the car community. Indeed. You're an, you're an icon on this program, Cap. We're grateful to have you. Thank you. We'll talk to you in a week's time, if not before. I always love talking to you guys. We appreciate it, Cap. Good to talk to you. Thank you. See you. Yep, uh, David Kaplan, Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors Cappy. That's the website, centurionstoneofiowa.com. Are you in the market for manufactured or natural stone? You won't believe what it does to your home or to your office or wherever you think that it could provide an upgrade. Well, you're right, because it will. Uh, update your exterior or interior project any size. Centurion Stone of Iowa with a variety of styles, patterns, colors for your every need. Centurion Stone of Iowa. Here's the showroom. It's closed. It's right across the street from the Animal Rescue League in Des Moines. That uh, address is 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines. Open Monday through Friday. I believe they have Saturday hours. Indeed, they do. do. Morning, 8 a.m. until noon. 
Boys want to get home and watch a little football, spend some Perfect. time with the family. Joe Farron and Justin Luch, we appreciate what you do for uh, for us, uh, sponsoring our friend David Kaplan Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors the Capman. We've got to do a little business, Trent, before we go to break. Mm-hmm. It's time for another thousand dollar handoff. Text the keyword thanks to 200 200 right now it's your chance to win a thousand dollars that's thanks to 200 200 you'll get a confirmation text and info standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest all right uh, more baseball more sports conversation with tommy birch we'll cover a lot of ground with birchie looking forward to running down uh birchie was it you that came up with the idea was it you that said the other day <laughs> we go back to uh, iowa state hadn't beaten oklahoma names since 1960 yes. did you say Wonder who if there's anybody who was there that day in the stands, yeah. and then also in the stands for this one with a limited capacity, right? Of fifteen thousand, is there that one person that was out there? Like Track he said, that bugger down. If you were a student at the time, you'd be in your late seventies, early eighties. Right. Find that person. That's a Tommy Birch story. That is a Tommy Birch story. We will uh, talk to Tommy Birch when we come back. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KX and Owen one hundred six point three FM. The sports fanatics drive you home every day. Weekdays at 4 on 1460 AM at 106.3 FM. This is And Their Families. Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Apparently the Fanatics had a couple of callers. Yes. Uh, Just saw that on uh, Twitter. Somebody reached out to our show account at Miller & Condon is where you can find us each and every day. And uh, yeah, mentioned that uh, Chris had already found somebody that had been both at the game 60 years ago and was there on Saturday night. Let's get Tommy Birch in here. Tommy, we were trying to hand you a story that you could write in your, as you kind of branch out a little bit from, you know, game stories to those kind of feel-good uh, kind of different stories that you're doing now and doing a great job of it. First of all, as always, thank you for coming on. We love having you on, Tommy. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. That does sound like a great story. Yeah, doesn't it? Uh, somebody that was there in 1960 and then all the way 2020, that's a long time ago, Tommy Birch, and apparently there were a couple of people uh that fall into that category yeah it's pretty amazing you know i I, i consider myself uh you know kind of lucky to be one of the few people at least following iowa state that was at the at the oklahoma game uh a few years ago in 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 oklahoma and uh um, there, there didn't seem to be too many Iowa State fans at that game. And that game, it's funny because um, I, you know, I, I remember talking to people around the program beforehand, you know, dirt, you know, before the game started, and there were people that literally had the expectations, like, man, we just want to get through this game in one piece. And <laughs> right. there were national writers that I, w- that I was talking to that said, look. Um, I'm looking, you know, I'm, I'm covering Oklahoma. I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to get some work done at halftime, too. And suddenly they all look like geniuses for showing up to that game and, and covering a big upset. So it, it's really remarkable to to look back on the history of, of, of that game and see just how far Iowa State has come. Tommy, it's been uh, some changes for you at the register of course, the Iowa Cubs didn't have a season this year. You moved off also the Iowa State beat. That was a big part of it. How different is it now for you as you're weeks and now months into it 
not being on a beat, not being specific to one team, and actually being able to branch out. How's it been? It's been a lot of fun. You know, I, I have some more some more time at home, but it's it's been really cool to to get out to a lot of different communities and tell a lot of different stories. You know, obviously, um, you know, we don't have the manpower to be able to to cover the high school sports as extensively as we used to. But to me, some of the most fascinating stories aren't, you know, who won the cross-country race, who, who won the golf meet, but finding some of those, those really cool stories, which um, coming this Sunday, you know, I have a really good cross-country story um, that's coming out about one of the top runners in the state that I think people will, will really uh, enjoy. And, and the goal is to kind of find those stories that, Hey, you don't have to be a golf fan. You don't have to be somebody that follows cross country, and you don't have to be somebody that's firmly following the the Iowa high school football scene to to appreciate that type of story or um, that type of experience that somebody's been going through. And, and to me, it's been a lot of fun. You know, last uh, I think it was two Saturdays ago, I spent the entire day with Drake football coach Todd Sefton, mm-hmm. and that's just something that I wouldn't have been able to do during a normal, um, you know, year covering Iowa State where, you know, I I enjoyed getting out and telling some of those stories, some of those uh, unique stories, but um, just being tied up on the Iowa State beat with press conferences, practices, Mm -hmm. and games, that alone made it impossible to get out there. Yeah, and and Tom, you were were good with game stories. You're a better storyteller. I think, uh, personally, um, as a subscriber uh, to the Des Moines Register. And uh, so I think you're in the right spot, and I enjoy what you're doing right now, Tommy. I'm also looking forward to you getting back, and I assume you're going to be back on the iCubs beat at some point when they resume. You're a very good baseball man. Uh, What I want to ask you, Tommy, is what kind of... You know, I, I guess setback is it going to be for these minor leaguers who didn't get a year this year? I mean, how big of a blow is this going to be? And everybody's different. It's not a one-size-fits-all. I get that. But just in development, Tommy, of some of these guys that you know might have been on the cusp of, of figuring things out, and now they've got to go back, and oh, by the way, they're another year older and might not look as good in some team's eyes because of that. How big of a, a hurdle is this for minor league baseball to overcome once they resume? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a big hurdle for those guys, especially the guys that didn't get into the alternate camp. I mean, you saw a lot of guys who were big-name prospects who not who didn't necessarily have a shot at getting to the big leagues this season. The teams, especially like the Cubs, said, hey, we want to get you in. Obviously, the, the biggest name, I think, when it comes to the Cubs for a situation like that is Braylon Marquez, who ended up getting up to the big leagues for one game. Um, just to kind of show his stuff. But uh, a lot of those guys, it was just getting seen, getting noticed, getting experienced, getting some reps. And, you know, it, for a lot of those guys that didn't get the opportunity, I think it's going to be something that they compare to almost having Tommy John surgery, mm. where you're still a part of the team, you're still a member of the organization, but um, so many of those guys that you talk to that go through that year off away from Tommy John surgery, they feel like, man, we are so far away from the entire team. Even though you're out working out, um, in sometimes in the spring training facilities and stuff like that, so it's going to be tough. You know, you're, you're going to have to go back out and make your case again because 
um, all those guys that were at the alternate site um, have a leg up on all that competition. So um, it's it's definitely missed opportunities for a lot of guys, especially the guys that you look at that were in Des Moines. So many of those guys were fringe guys, you know, guys that weren't on the 40-man that were maybe knocking on the door and, and looking at maybe the 2020 season as a chance to to make their case. So um, you've already seen it throughout minor league baseball where you've had just a massive wave of releasings for, for guys that um, maybe 2020 was going to be their last shot. A guy I think about is Mason City native Jake Peters, who is in the Dodgers organization, who came up through the White Sox, was a big prospect, um, got traded to the Dodgers, kind of struggled throughout the minors there. But 2020, man, if he would have had a good season, this mm-hmm. would have been his, his final shot. He didn't even get a 2020 season, ended up getting released, and now um, that could be the end for him. So um, it's it's a really tough year for a lot of those guys. Speaking of that, we uh, got to see the draft pick uh, this year from Dowling Catholic with Carter Baumler and a lot of buzz about the possibility of more games with guys being called this year with the normal draft being out there for MLB. I know you still do a lot in the high school ranks with, with some of the players. There's an LSU commit over in uh, Dubuque for Waller but he actually doesn't play high school baseball, which is a completely crazy story, too. How about this upcoming class? Uh, possibility, a number of names being called in next year's MLB draft. Yeah, the debut kid that you mentioned, Ian Moeller, is the kid that I actually went up to Dubuque a couple, maybe a month ago, and did a story on him. He is looking at, um, from, from all the people I've talked to, from scouts to the people in player development, um, as a guy that's got a first-round grade on him right now. And, and the fact that he doesn't play high school baseball, depending on who you talk to, <laughs> it may benefit him, it may hurt him. Obviously, he's getting out to a lot of showcases and really showing who he is and getting a ton of exposure. But I think there are some teams that want to see him on that actual high school team competing against some average shows and, and being in the dugout and experiencing all that, too. But... Nonetheless, he's a phenomenal talent. He's a guy that, I mean, man, you're you're already hearing whispers of, you know, kind of that AJ Puck, Jeff Clement type player, wow. where uh, you're you're talking about early first round, and um, you know, when it when you get into that conversation, it's not necessarily skill set, but signability when it comes to a player like that, and that's what's going to be really interesting because he is a guy that's got a full ride to go play at LSU, but a lot of teams have a first-round grade on him. So if he is a signable prospect come next year and stays on that first-round radar, man, you're going to be hearing his name really early on at the draft where um, he's got a compelling case to be the highest-drafted Iowan to ever go. Um, in the draft, isn't that something, uh, Tommy? I know you were um, you, you saw Brody Breck play and, and the Hawks. Was it a couple of weeks ago? I want to say I follow you on Twitter, so I saw you tweeting about him, and I know you were impressed. But I guess he's going to have a decision at some point too, right? Is is football his future or is baseball? Because Trent just raves about yeah. him, uh, his baseball abilities. What do, which way do you think he uh, leans, Tommy? Do you have any feel for that? 
not right now, and I think it's really early in the process, but I would say right now, man, Iowa has got a really compelling case to make where they offer him that unique opportunity to play baseball and to play, uh, you know, football and to figure out what exactly he does want to do at the next level. But, hey, um, if, if the draft does come calling and, and you're looking at uh, the first couple of rounds, you really got to entertain the, mm-hmm. the idea. And, and baseball people do love him. I mean, he's a kid that's staying in the mid-90s right now, has great makeup, great athleticism. A lot of those intangibles I just mentioned, especially the athleticism part, is what really attracts a lot of teams to Carter Palmer. So um, it, it is going to be a decision he's going to have to make, but it's going to be a decision that's made long before the draft comes calling. And like I had mentioned, when it comes to a guy like kind of like Ian Moeller, he's going to make it clear to teams what they, you know, realistically, what kind of shot they have at possibly signing him. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds because, man, he is a phenomenal football player, too. I was extremely impressed watching him. And, you know, obviously a lot of the attention has been on Arlen Bruce. But, man, like that's... That is, that is a magnificent offense that they have, especially with him right there. Yeah, the Ankeny Hawks got some dues. I think Trent says, to, in his opinion, SCP and then the Hawks. Yeah, that's one two. one, two. One, uh, two. Tommy, I, I know that uh, this August, and uh, we were both, Trent and I were both envious of, of what you, we thought that you were going to be covering, and that was the game, the Field of Dreams game that got uh, you know taken off the schedule, obviously. And COVID's going to decide uh, if, if indeed it happens. But as far as you know, from those people over there in Dyersville, they want to put this on, right? And maybe not just a one-off, that this might become something that they hope to do on an annual basis. Have you done any follow-up? Is that still the at least the plan, Tommy, going forward in 21? Yeah, that's the idea. And right now, I would say if you're kind of mapping out your schedule, kind of wondering when you should expect that Field of Dreams game to be played, I would kind of keep an eye on the White Sox-Yankees series. My understanding is, they still want to get that matchup. Now, obviously, that was the original matchup before COVID-19. They switched to the Cardinals, but um, there's an opening right in the schedule that allows it to, to fit right back in. But, yeah, that that's the idea. Steel Dreams is really hoping that this becomes an annual occurrence. And that's why, to a certain degree, even during the COVID-19 crisis, when we're talking about no fans being in ballparks, there were people around the Steel Dreams site that I had talked to and said, look, maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea that we have the game in 2020 and don't have fans, or maybe we have some fans, because um, they looked at it as possibly a good trial run mm-hmm. to kind of get their feet wet and get get uh, you know get an experience of the game um, underway. As it was already set out, they had the game scheduled for 2020 with an option for 2021, even before COVID-19 struck, so at least it's already kind of been in the back of Major League Baseball's mind that maybe um, they wanted to get uh, you know a, a Field of Dreams game on the schedule outside of 2020. We've seen throughout their schedule with the the Low League World Series and games like that that they're willing to 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 make them annual occurrences. But um, when it comes down to it, it's going to be how smooth things run on the baseball operations side. If both teams come in there, they're happy with the setup, they're, they get all the accommodations that they need, um, the, the, the event goes well for fans getting in and out, 
if, if everything works out from that standpoint, um, there's no reason why Major League Baseball wouldn't be coming back to Dyersville um, for more than one year in 2021. This year in the playoffs, we see 16 teams in. Feels like too much. But I don't think we're going also back to the five. Bertie, I got a proposal. I love your baseball mind here. See if you think this can work and both the player side and the owner side could agree to this. Six teams in each of the leagues. Three division winners. They get a buy into the divisional round. Your five seed plays the six in a one-game playoff. And then you move on to the best wildcard team, the four seed, in a three-gamer like we had here to open things up all in that four seed's home ballpark. Do you think that's something that could, A, add enough TV inventory to make everybody happy, enough money on the player side, and something that ultimately doesn't water it down, seeing teams under five hundred get in the Major League base uh, playoffs, just don't want to see it turn into what we get in the NHL and NBA? Yeah, I think it's something that could be entertained by my two arguments that that would say that wouldn't work or probably wouldn't fly with owners is, A, you're talking about first-round buy where, um, you know, uh, teams are going to be missing out on some date revenue, some TV Mm -hmm. revenue. And, and two, I I don't know if 12 teams are going to be enough. You know, I think owners want even more than that. So those two variables... Uh, alone might be the breaking point for owners to say no. You know, we want more teams. We don't want buys. We want teams in the playoffs, and we want teams playing in the playoffs as much as possible. Um, but I do think we're approaching, um, you know, a team where you're getting a massively watered down hmm. uh, playoff deal. I think you had to do it for this year yep. because of COVID nineteen. Um, I don't think you have to do it moving forward. Tommy Birch from the Des Moines Register. Tommy, great to catch up with you. Thank you. We'll uh, have to do this more often. I say that every time, and um, I mean it every time, and we'll plan on doing it next time. Tommy, thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Good to talk to you, Tommy Birch, Des Moines Register. As we wrap up the BMW Des Moines guest list here today, while plenty of baseball, I'm anxious yes. to pick your sports gambling mind did you have a good day yesterday, by the way? No, I didn't hit my two out of three on my big parlay that paid like... Those don't 18, work, you know, Trent. I, they don't. They don't. But they're so much fun, and it's just bad a little to well, make it's, a lot. It's not, if you, it's not fun if you lose your first one. <laughs> yes. I lost uh, the middle one. I had the Marlins, lost the A's, and then came back in the night, and I had the... I think the Dodgers minus two and a half, which wasn't looking good for a long time anyway, mm-hmm. but that ticket was already ripped up, and... They're fun to play around with. Yeah, I'm with you. And the way that I play, again, when you do those little ones to make a lot, makes it a lot more fun. Makes it, you lose it, it's not a big deal. It's way better than betting a lot to make a little. Yes. Because that will bite you most of the time. We'll come back, finish things up, Miller and Condon. Just about quarter before noon, lunchtime quickly approaching. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106. Straight bourbon whiskey. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Final couple of minutes of a Wednesday edition. 
Of course, Murph and Andy coming up at 2. That'll be your next chance for one of the keywords that uh, promotion that's back on. Uh, they'll have one in the 3 o'clock hour. And of course, that'll carry right over until the Fanatics, Ross and Chris, uh, coming up today at 4. Hawk Central tonight. Are you doing that or Petey's back? No, yeah, Ross is back. So he'll be manning the ship with Chad and Mark from the Register talking Hawkeye sports and the continued... I don't know what we're even calling this media availability this week stretched over three days as yesterday was the offense. Today we'll hear from the defense and then uh, the coaching staff and a few others on Thursday. But Well, good for them for doing that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, kind of reading through a few of the things. So is this media days? Is this Basically, what they're calling yeah, it? Yeah, that, okay. that's for all intents and purposes, that's what it is over Zoom. But hearing from the offensive guys yesterday, a name that continued to pop up, Charlie Jones. A transfer who sat out last season, came from the MAC, and going to be maybe part of the rotation at the wide receiver position. So looking for a new name. Really? A position they've got some depth at. He's number five or six, but another name to throw in there in the mix, Mm -hmm. and they've said a lot of good things. A lot of positives about Petrus. No surprise about that. You expect that's what he's a confident young man. You want Mm -hmm. that in your quarterback. And Iowa's been very good with first year starting quarterbacks. They got the right quarterback coach there with O'Keefe. He's done a good job, and for whatever reason, they've been able to push those right buttons and get there. So I uh, we have our TV show coming up that we'll be recording here in just a little while. Mm-hmm. I still have not been able to find division odds for the Big Ten East and West. I've seen them now for the SEC, even in season. Alabama, as you'd anticipate, with LSU already losing a huge favorite now to win the SEC West. We just talked about earlier the Big 12 odds. The division odds. Wisconsin's the favorite. How big of a favorite in the Big Ten West Closer would you make? Closer than you think, because I think Iowa and both Iowa and Minnesota are going to be factors this year. I do. And then the condensed schedule, um, they'll be favored, but not by not by a lot. I put them at 2-1 to one at the Kana Casino. Okay, so two, plus 220 on the other, 250. On the, on I put Minnesota at plus 350. Oh, so that far, that big of a And Iowa at 4-1. to one. Okay. Too big of a stretch? I would have tightened it up a little tightened bit. Tightened it up a little bit more by that. Then I got some long shots. Purdue would be my, my next choice. I put them at 6-1, to one, though. Nebraska 8-1, to one, Northwestern 12-1, to one, and Illinois 40-1. to and one. Nebraska will be overbet yet again. <laughs> yes, they will. At the Connick Casino, they'd be rushing across right. the river to get there <laughs> yep. and make those bets. I will be interested, and I hope we do get that. Actually, these odds. I told you before, Jimmy Shapiro, who works with an offshore company, Reached out to him and say, hey, do you guys, are you anticipating anything? He said, not yet. Haven't talked to a couple of the bookmakers there. And they're just hmm. the great unknown. And it's one thing for conference and knowing you just have to win a championship right. game. But then you get into also the divisional. What does this team had two games suspended? All right. How does the tiebreaker work for mm-hmm. that? I think it's a lot more difficult than any other season just to even put out those type of odds mm-hmm. because we don't well, know. Well, the limits won't be very big if, right, because yeah. of that this year. How about the NFL today, too? Just the continued... Yeah, Tennessee's got two more. Two more. Right. Stephon Gilmore for the Patriots. And now he's the sitting Broncos. there talking to Mahomes after the game. I saw that. Yeah. And so did Chief fans, and they should be worried. <laughs> right. Speaking of, uh, okay, since we're on the COVID and the NFL thing, do you see what the Dolphins just announced? Full house allowed. Come one, come all. Everybody's welcome. Now, their but next the home Dolphins, game they're not going to, right? Right, right. It's the Dolphins that have said, you know what, Gov? We're going to stay right where we're at. Uh-huh. Uh, but, yeah, the governor of – so what does that mean in Tampa Bay? Right. 
That's where the Super Bowl is going to be. And now, if you want to see the Bucks, are they going to open up uh, Raymond James to full capacity? Seems like Florida's so. in yeah. that direction. Full I would Super have thought Bowl. the NFL would have got involved, Trent. I think it's a competitive advantage or disadvantage. Fans are stadiums that can have big numbers. Up north, nobody at U.S. Bank mm-hmm. yet. I think the Broncos are capped at five. There's a couple of 15,000 limits out there. Well, you hear Arrowhead Stadium. Yes. It's, it's loud. Di- it is. But it's different, but it's still pretty loud as opposed to... It's impactful. And did you see, we mentioned, I think it was maybe the first or second Sunday night game. Yeah, it was the Seahawks in week two, where they said they could pump up the decibels to 70. Yes. And they've bumped that up now to uh-huh. 80. Yeah. Uh, by the way, is it Fox Sports? Yeah, FS1. Their piped-in sound, crowd sound, is awful. So loud. Exactly. You can't... You're not fooling anybody. Those are cutouts in the stands. <laughs> right. Right? I would, rather, I would rather listen to the back and forth between the players. Yes. I really and truly would. And I'm sure the and players the don't net- want that. Or the networks. Yeah. One of the two. You're talking about a big delay there. It's just too much. It's way a over murmur the top. Under, but that's for all these sports. It has been just... Level it down. Uh-huh. I got you. Got a new toy. You want to play around with right. it here? But it's 2020, and everybody's now used to 2020. And we're used to no fans in the stands. Anyways, uh, so looking for Chris Level's going to join us. He is the analyst for uh, Texas Tech football and basketball. But Chris Level will join us tomorrow. Jeff Hughes will be here. Uh, Lee Sterling's got another pack of games. He'll slide on in here about 10 minutes before 11. Next local programming comes your way in a couple hours. Murph and Andy at 2, then the Fanatics at 4. Hawk Central tonight at 6. Tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., bright and early morning rush. We're Miller and Condon. Thanks for being here. 14